guys. How are you? Hi. For anyone who doesn't know me, uh, I'm Caitlin, or AKA Pinky Tippets, what Pastor Daniel calls me. <laughs> um, what? Pinky, yeah, Pinky has the color. Yeah. I wore all pink one day, one day on our mission trip last summer, and it kind of just stuck. Okay, I wore all pink one day. <laughs> yes, okay, whatever. Moving on. All right. Uh, as humans, or as Americans mainly, we tend to always want more. We always tend to want. We always tend to want what other people have. And it's always this never-ending thing of wanting more. We don't really know how to be content with what we have. We always want a new job. We always want more. So what I want to talk about tonight is being able to be content in no matter what circumstance that we are in and being able to honor God no matter the circumstance. So Philippians 4.11 says, For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how, how to have little and I know how to have a lot. In any and in all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. So Paul, the apostle, is writing this from prison. Um, he's literally saying, I learned to be content in whatever circumstances. Now, I don't know... If I like you guys, but I would not want to be in prison, nor would I want to be happy that I am in prison, nor would the first thing I would think of is, oh, I am so content that I am sitting in prison, God. Thank you for allowing me to be in prison. No, none of us would just naturally think that. This is something that is learned, and this is something that you have to intentionally do. So he is also saying, I have learned the secret of being content. And that's one thing I want to focus on, but I'm going to go back to it a little bit later, is he learned the secret of being content. And if Paul was never in prison, we would have never gotten four books of our Bible. He wrote four books while sitting in prison. God was able to use him because he was content where he was at. So I'm going to tell you guys a little story about, a little bit about myself. So... I just graduated high school, I'm only 18, and around 14 years old, I don't really know how old you are when you're going from middle school to high school, it was, felt like forever ago, but that age for me was very hard. It was, it was very rough because everyone I was around was always wanting things. I mean, it was, all my friends were like, Daddy, can we go to the store and buy this, buy me this? So naturally, it just did the same thing. I was always asking for new things, or hey, daddy, let's go to the store. I want new clothes. And it didn't just stop there for me. As I kind of progressed a little bit into my freshman year, it started rolling over into, okay, well, it's not I just want new clothes now. Now I'm kind of thinking more about what other people have to say about me than what I have, what God says about me. And it just kind of naturally kept progressing. So I just stopped caring about what God said I was and who God made me to be and eventually progressed even more into being so disconnected from God that I started to make really bad decisions. And then one day, I really took a hard look at my life and was like, where did I go wrong? And I realized all it did was start out from eighth grade year of not being content with my life. And I just kind of stopped and I just prayed. 
I was like, how does this even happen? And God revealed to me, it's because you disattached yourself from me. You were not content with your life. You were not content with the things that you had and who I made you to be. And that spoke to me. I was crushed. I mean, I, I was crushed. I cried for like hours after he revealed that to me. But once he revealed that, it made things so much better. But I had a choice. I had a choice in eighth grade. I had a choice in ninth grade, and I still have a choice every day. I had a choice then to either be content or to worry, to worry about what others had, to worry about what other people thought about me. And then I chose to worry. I chose what other people say over what God said. And in Philippians 4, 6 or 7 says, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and peace of God, which surpasses every thought will grant your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So what I like about this verse is he literally is saying, don't worry. I don't know how much more clear that can get. <laughs> like, there's no reading in between the lines. There's no trying to guess what God's trying to say. He's literally saying, do not worry. So why do we worry? Why do we worry about the things that we don't even have any control over? And he also says, let your request be known to me. So if you are worrying about something, just tell him about it, and he will grant you that peace to be content. Um, another little story for you guys. Can you guys throw up the first picture? No? No picture? Okay. Well, I did have a few pictures. Um, I went on a mission trip last summer to the Dominican Republic. Yeah. There's people in here. Okay. Um, with the ground floor, actually. And our main goal while we were down there were, was to build a church for little children who didn't have one. And so I'm getting all excited for this mission trip. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go change these, ch these children's lives, and I'm going to do all these great things. And... While we were down there, yeah, we did that. We built a church. We, we did get to impact the children. But I think out of everything, those children impacted me more than anything. And I couldn't figure it out. And talking to some of the other people on the mission trip, we, all, we couldn't figure out why these children were so happy. Like, they had so much joy and so much happiness, and they were smiling all the time, and they were just all so excited to see you and be able to spend time with you. I mean, these children, their form of game was throwing this deflated basketball at each other. Like, that was their fun. They didn't have anything. And it melted my heart, and I realized we, as Americans, are so discontent with our lives. We have so many things that these children don't even have. These children have to wake up every day and be like, where am I going to get my food from? These children, when we go to go just be with them and talk to them and be like, we just want to love you, that's all they needed to make their day. And yet we complain to our parents about not having a new cell phone. Like, if you think about that, that speaks a lot. That we are always wanting and we're never content. Is there pictures? Oh, yay, there are pictures. Okay. This is the church that we built for these children. We literally built that by hand. When we got there, there was one row of blocks on top of this building. Next picture, please. 
Oh, there's me with some little kids. You can see those kids. One of them doesn't even have shoes on. Next picture. That's where they lived. <laughs> now, I don't know about you guys, but personally, I like my comfortable house. I would not want to live there. But this is where the children lived. Next picture, please. That's it? Oh, okay, that's fine. But yeah, that's where they lived. That was the city that we visit. And they, that's all they knew. Philippians 1.20 says, My eager expectations and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that not always with boldness, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. This verse is my absolute favorite verse in this whole book. Paul is literally saying Christ will be honored by life or by death. He's saying if I die tomorrow, I'm going to honor God with everything. And we don't face life or death situations every day, but we always choose not to be content, and we don't always honor God. And I'm not saying that, oh, I just know how to do this every day, and I'm just perfected at this. No, that's not what I'm saying, because this is still something that I work on every day. This is something that I have to wake up and choose that. It's, it's a choice. This is something that's learned. You don't just automatically know how to do this. But he is choosing to honor God no matter what. And there's, there's no excuse for us not to. Even if you don't do it all the time, you have to at least think about it and think, okay, I'm choosing to honor God. And I know it's definitely not easy. And not only did, did Paul learn how to be content and he honored God, but Paul was able to find joy in his circumstances. God was able to give him that joy because he already learned how to be content. And I'm not saying he was happy about being in prison because your happiness is from your happenings. So whatever is going on, yeah, you can be happy about it. But your joy that you get from God, God gives to you and nobody can take that away from you. That's something that God gives you. And that secret that I was talking about, that secret of contentment, was Paul trusted God and trusted his provisions, and Paul trusted God that he was going to give him strength to get through what he was going through. Whether he died or he didn't, or if he lived and he got out of prison tomorrow, he trusted God to give him the strength to keep moving forward. And this enabled Paul to overcome his hardships, and it enabled him to overcome being in prison and being a missionary in this really rough time. And, I mean, this is true for all of your guys' lives as well. If you just put that trust in God and trust God is going to give you the peace to be content in whatever circumstances you are going through, that's all it takes. And I just want to encourage you guys. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do anything through Christ who gives me strength. And you can do anything through Christ. So don't give up. Just If you have a bad day and you're like, God, you know, this sucks, but just honor him. And he will give you the peace to get through it. And up next is my wonderful friend, Morgan. She's going to kind of continue what I've been talking about. She's pretty great, so give her a hand. Hello. Hi, everyone. Hi. I don't need it. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Please give it up for Caitlin one more time. You did awesome, Caitlin. Thank you so much for speaking the word of God. Um, I know I appreciate it. Um, Okay, so... I just want to start off wondering, these have become pretty popular 
um, nowadays. So I want to know, how many of you guys have an iPhone? Not a smartphone, just an iPhone. Okay, yay, you're in my club. How many of you know that if this thing is not plugged in, it is dying all the time? Seriously, like I look at it and it's like 90%, and I'm like, yeah, it's at 90%. And then five minutes later, it's at like 12, and I'm like, um, I need directions to get home. Seriously, I'm so serious. I finally, I finally bought a car charger yesterday, I think, because I was like, I am so sick of forgetting this, forgetting to bring my cord with me, or not having a wall to plug it into. So after two months of having this iPhone, I learned that I was supposed to bring a charger with me everywhere. And so the story that I want to talk to you guys about today, or to start off talking about, you guys all probably know it, but um, it's the story of Adam and Eve. So how many of you guys know that story? Okay, so I don't have to go through the whole beginning of time, but I think we all know God spoke the world into being, and he called it all good, and he put man there, and he put him in the garden. And he put him in this garden, and there was one tree called the tree of life. And then there's another tree, and it was called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Okay, and he said, hey guys, you can eat from any tree you want to. Any tree that you want, any of these trees of lives, you can eat from those and it's good. But don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in Adam and Eve, they lived their lives and they walked with God and they loved God. And they plugged into God. Like this. And they knew him intimately. But then there was one day when Eve, she went, to, she went towards the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and the serpent said, hey, if, if you eat from this tree, you're going to be just like God. And so she was tempted, and it looked good to her, and so she went and she ate from it, right? And, and we all look at that, and we say, well, they sinned. And yes, they did sin, but I think so often we miss the spiritual side of this, and we miss the fact that they had neglected the tree of life and they had gone and they had chosen the tree of knowledge and they had chosen their own knowledge. And to this day, it has been a problem. See, they decided to disconnect from their power source and plug into themselves. See, this phone, it has virtually all the knowledge that you would ever want to find in the world. I could go on here and instantly find you an answer to probably anything. Okay, anything. But if it's dead, if there's no power source, all of that knowledge is dead as well. And so that's what happened when they ate from the tree of knowledge. They instead decided to die in their knowledge. And to this day, we find ourselves looking to ourselves, saying, I know what's best. I know what to do. I know better than God. And we don't want anything to do with him sometimes. And we forget that we're supposed to plug into the tree of life. But Jesus came. And he came so that we would be able to connect back to God whenever we wanted to. See, there's this story in John 7. And the priests, they had this special tradition. They would draw from the waters of life, from this water of life, and they would bring it over to the temple, and they would put it in the temple, and then they would march around it chanting psalms. And there, it was this time of just extreme joy, and they just loved it. Like, it was just explained as the most joyous thing that you could ever experience. They said if you didn't go to it, you didn't experience joy. 
and Jesus is here. And I think we all know Jesus, that he kind of did things that people wouldn't expect, right? And so there's this crazy, like, rally-type thing going on. It's on the seventh day of this festival. And the priests had this water in the temple, and they're marching around it, and they're chanting psalms. And it's so loud that in order to be heard, you had to shout. And so Jesus is sitting down, and he stands up, and he goes, Come to me, all who are thirsty. And as the scripture says, if you believe in me, then rivers of life are going to be flowing out of you. And everyone's like, um, no. They're like, they were in the temple. That's where you find God in this special little festival. And, and they didn't realize that Jesus was the life that they were looking for, the joy that they were looking for. See, Jesus says, as the scripture says, and what he's referring to is something that every single Jew in the room would have known about. It's this verse in Isaiah 55.1. And it says, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. You who have no money. And so what Jesus is referring to is actually the spirit after he's going to die and then raised to life again, he's talking about when the spirit is going to come, everyone is going to be able to come and have the richest affair, and we're going to be able to dine without any cost. See, he's talking about the price that he's going to pay so that each one of us is able to come to the table and say, hey, fill me. Hey, I'm thirsty. And then when that happens, rivers of life pour out from you. And you're never going to be thirsty again. You're never going to thirst for the world. See, I had a huge problem in my middle school and beginning of my high school years. I tried to get filled in every way that you could probably think of. I tried relationships with people. I tried to get filled by words of affirmation from people. I tried relationships with boys thought maybe they could fill me if I, if I felt like I was good enough for them. And I fell into self-harm and to drugs, into partying, and I just wanted to die. I thought, I cannot be filled by anything. See, because it's like in Jeremiah 2.13, how it says, My people have committed two sins. First of all, they've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that can't hold any water. And so we go and we bring our cup and we try to get filled and we try to get filled, but we're broken and so we can't hold anything. And we're trying and we're trying and nothing is satisfying. I believe that there are a lot of people in this room who are wondering why the world isn't satisfying them. How come you can't get filled? And once I came to Christ... Is last year, once I came to him and, and I professed my belief in him and I started walking with him, I found that I had joy all the time. It's just like Caitlin was talking about, how you have joy no matter what situation you're in. And you're able to just hold up under it and he gives you strength and he gives you power and rivers flow out of you. And they fall onto other people and love falls onto other people. And they're like, why are you so happy all the time? I get that all the time. Why are you so happy all the time? And I say, man, if you had known me my freshman year, you would not have thought that. But Jesus has given me so much hope and so much life because he went and he died on the cross just so that I could go to the Spirit and I could live through him 
and I could die with him and be raised to life with him. See, my old life, it's dead. I'm not part of it anymore. Sometimes I can forget that my life is dead, but I'm pretty much reminded within three seconds, and then I say, Jesus, come back. I know that you're alive. I know that you're the only one who can fill me. What happens when you squeeze an orange? What comes out? And when you squeeze an apple? What happens? What would happen if I squeeze this orange into a cup and then you drank it and it was apple juice? What would you think? <laughs> exactly. Something is wrong. This isn't right. What's going on? What happens when you squeeze a Christian? Seriously. Seriously, I'm serious. So many people who are professing Christians, they go out into the world and they complain more than non-professing Christians do. And they, they're saying, why am I not full? What's going on? Seriously, guys, we got to be the lovers. We got to be the people that have joy coming out and flowing out all the time. If you come up and you squeeze me, whether you're putting pressure on me in a bad way or whether you're hugging me, you're going to get Jesus on you. I don't care. You're going to, okay? This is how we have to think, guys. Seriously. Seriously. Because Jesus professed it. It's a promise that when you believe in him, rivers flow out of you. It's not a lake. It's not dormant. I don't care what you think. It's not going to stay still. If you're a believing Christian, it's going to move. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Seriously, when Jesus stood up and he said, hey, come to me, come to me, everybody, it just showed how much God desired for his people. And it showed how our desire for him can be met. It's when you go to him. And I'm not talking about just when we come to him within these four walls or 500 walls if you go to Res Life because it's huge. Um, but not when you just come to him and you meet with him, which this is awesome. This is an awesome time to get filled. It's so amazing. The worship here, the messages here, they're amazing. But I'm talking about having so much life in you that you're able to take your cup that's overflowing and you're able to pour it out on every single person that you meet because you say, I'm filled, I'm in Jesus, and life flows out of me. You don't just get filled when you come here and then your cup pours out when you walk out the door. You are always overflowing. See, Jesus said in John 10, 10, I came that they might have life and life abundantly or to the full if you're reading this version. See, that's the reason he came. He says it right there. And you know what that means? That means that we can have a degree of life. It's not just scientific, oh, your heart is beating, oh, you have brain waves. No, it's a degree of life, and he came that we can have it abundantly. And I looked up what that word abundantly means in Greek, and it actually means superfluous and overflowing. And that means that you have so much life that you don't even know what to do with it. If you're filling yourself up all the time and you're constipated with knowledge and, and you know too many things, you got to go and pour it out. I'm serious. I'm serious. Sometimes I'm like, oh, my goodness, like I have to use this information that I'm getting because it's too much. And I need to pour it out on somebody so I can just remember it. You're laughing. I'm serious. I'm serious, you guys. Seriously. So he came so that we could have full life that is flowing out of us. That's what he meant. And he says in John 13, 17, I believe it is. He says that this is life, knowing the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Christ. That is life. I don't care what any scientist tells you. It's not your heart beating in your brainwaves. It's knowing him. There is so much joy that we're able to just come to him whenever we want. He's everywhere that we go. And if the worship team could come back up here, that'd be awesome. Listen, you guys, listen. So many of us think that we're doing awesome, we're doing great if we're integrating Jesus into our lives. But that's not what's awesome. What's awesome is when Jesus takes over every part of what you do. Every part. I don't care where you are. He's in everything. And sometimes we think, oh, well, I can be one person here and I can be one person here. And you're not going to get full because you're still living in a broken life. Even if you are whole, even if you are saved, sometimes we return back to our broken cups. And we try to get that filled. And it's dribbling all down us. And we're like, what's happening? My life is falling apart. Every one of us can go to him. Not all of us have made that decision or some of us have fallen away. So I just want to go into prayer right now. If everyone could close your eyes. Lord, I know that there are some people here who have not made a decision for you. And they're feeling empty and they're wondering, where is God in all of this? And he's right here. He's loving on you. He loves you so much, guys. He loves you. So anybody here that hasn't made that decision for Christ yet, who hasn't died with him and was raised back to life, or anybody who has that ma made that decision but has fallen away, I just want you to raise your hand, okay, in three, two, one. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I love you all. I'm so happy for you that you're making this decision, that you're going to be able to walk with Jesus every single day. So we're going to go back into a time of worship. You guys can come down right now if you want. Um, you can go wherever you want to. There's prayer walls back there. But, but I want you guys to just ask in your hearts right now. So there's this verse in Psalm 63.1. It says, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Listen, some of us have been living our lives Sometimes wet, sometimes we feel like we're in a desert where it's dry and parched. I just want you guys to ask in your hearts while we're in this worship, Jesus, oh dear Lord, Father, is there any place in my life where I have not let you in, where it has not rained down yet? I just want you guys to ask him to just flow onto you and let you flow onto other people in every area of your life, to have him be Lord over every part, just to come like the rain.